Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and I'm your only host tonight, Nate. I think Tony's at work. Uh, I'm joined today by Brett Eichenberger. Uh, Brett, I just heard of you um, from a friend of our, a mutual friend, um, and I found out that you live in Oregon. Is that correct? Are you yeah, also an Oregonian? Yeah. Which is Dan a lot of fun. Oregonian. Yep. Awesome, man. Yep. So, and then I also saw that you made a Bigfoot documentary this year as well. That's crazy. I'm an Oregonian that made a Bigfoot documentary this year, too. Uh, so this is really neat. I had to reach out to you. I wanted to talk to you and get you on the show. Uh, welcome. Uh, Brett, do you Thank want you. to introduce yourself since this is the first time on the show? Uh, do you want to tell um, my audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Brett Eichenberger, and um, I'm a filmmaker, of course, Oregonian as well. And... Um, yeah, we've done, um, you know, myself, my production company, um, my cohorts have done um, a few feature films that are out there. Uh, Light of Mine is one. It's about a photographer who travels to Yellowstone before he goes blind. Um, another one called Pretty Broken, which is a dramedy um, about a young woman whose father goes missing in the Himalayas. And now our current film, which is called A Flash of Beauty, Bigfoot Revealed. And it is a documentary all about Bigfoot. And um, a lot of people say to me, well, how did you go from like making like scripted films of actors to Bigfoot? It's quite a departure. And the truth is, is that being an Oregonian, I've just always been fascinated with Bigfoot. Uh, my wife, Jill Remensnyder, who was also the producer on A Flash of Beauty and wrote Pretty Broken and produced um, Light of Mine, the other films. And who, who you know, we worked together in Resonance Productions, it's the name of our production company but her, both her and i have had a fascination fascination with bigfoot ever since we were little kids she grew up on the oregon coast um i grew up here in the portland area and um you know being around this amazing beauty and wonder in the state of oregon and the pacific northwest in general we've just always just kind of been you know intrigued by what this thing is what it could be and uh, when the pandemic hit we really kind of came together and thought you know what work has dried up Let's do a Bigfoot documentary. We knew some folks, uh, some prominent folks in the Bigfoot world. And so we set off to, to do a documentary, finish it in six months and put it out there. Um, and a year and a half later, here we are. <laughs> yeah. We did it, right it took on, us a lot man. longer than we thought. Mine took a lot shorter than I thought. It was really crazy. I thought it was going to take That's us good. a year That's and a half. Thing. Yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, I, this is the this was our first time um, making a documentary, so we're real green, real green with making any sort of movie. Uh, my partner, he's the one that's like talented with the videography. I'm the one that can't shut up. He's more like introverted and quiet, and I'm the extrovert. So we make a good team, which that you know, cool. Uh, yeah, so it was good. Uh, he's really talented. It turned out great, uh, dude. That's really neat, dude. I did, I was going to ask you what part of Oregon you're in. You're in uh, you're near Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And, I'm and, just and north of Portland. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. in a little crumb. Well, I, I don't want to say crummy. I like this town. I'm in a little country town. I'm in Scapoose, if you know where that is. Oh, of course. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You're like due north of me. Literally, like I could drive up over the West Hills and end up in Scapoose. I, lo I, I love the Scapoose. Highway 30, St. Helens area. I know it well. Yeah. There's Bigfoot. Gorgeous, man. 
Yeah. Is there really? Yeah. I, I like oh, to yeah. think there is. Yeah. I do. There's is. some wild country. Like you get like a little closer to like, uh, like Deer Island and like near Vernonia. It gets real yep. rainier. Dude, it gets so, real wild up there. I'll tell you a story. So, so, um, uh, an individual by the name of Henry Franzoni. I don't know if that name rings a bell or not, but Henry um, was very prominent in the Bigfoot world back in the late nineties. And Henry worked with Peter Byrne for a number of years. Um, and he talks about that in the film, but uh, you know, a little story that he was telling us when we were doing the interview up in Longview was um, he'd had all these Bigfoot experiences and Henry's a fascinating guy. He's had many experiences, um, you know, Bigfoot UFOs and whatnot. And he was telling me that uh, he had had all these Bigfoot experiences and had seen them, you know, and, you know, doing multiple things like swimming in lakes and all kinds of crazy stuff. And one day um, his wife was vacuuming at their house on Deer Island in the middle of the afternoon. And she looked out the front window facing the front yard, backyard, whatever it was, but it was it was extensive property. And there was Bigfoot standing there watching her vacuum. Wow. And she, she calmly called to her husband and said, Henry, there's Bigfoot out there. And she says, so that's what they look like, huh? <laughs> Just like that. That's wild, so, man. So Deer Island, right by yeah. you. Yep. I've got a, yeah. Yeah, I've got a friend. Uh, shout out to my buddy Adam from Deborah Grits Red Pill. He lives, he bought a little homestead, bought some acres out there and just raising some animals. And yeah, Deer Island is fucking beautiful, dude. Beautiful yep. land. Yeah, it's and it's pretty there. remote, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it takes a minute to get back there and some backwoods and some, you know, some gnarly off the pavement kind of drives, you know, and it's it's pretty out there. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see Bigfoot out here. I was thinking, too, I mean, he might even jump in the Colum like Columbia and eat fish right out of the river. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. you know, and, and that's another story that Henry was talking about. So Henry goes into in the film. We, we wanted to start off by talking about the Native American influence and, and correlation with Bigfoot. And, um, you know, they've got various names for them. You know, Sabe is one of them. Um, uh, you know, in, in the Midwest, they call them Satongas. Um, Sasquatch, obviously, is the most famous one. That comes from Canadian. Um, sorry about my lighting here. That comes from the Canadian um, natives. But... Um, Henry was telling me a story about how, or telling us a story about how, you know, he got to know the, a lot of the tribes in the area because he was a, he was a conservationist and he worked with the tribes through the federal government. And what was really unique about that is they would let him in on stories that they wouldn't really even tell other tribes in the area. And um, they actually have, you know, these are, we're talking about some of the natives that live along the Columbia Gorge, you know, all the way up to Umatilla and, and whatnot, they actually have video, I mean, like crystal clear videos, many, many, many videos of Bigfoot doing things in and around the area, one of which is one swimming across the Columbia River. Wow. And Henry's seen it, you know, that it, but it belongs to them, it belongs to their tribes, belongs to their longhouses, and these aren't things that they typically share with people. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but it's out there. It's interesting, man. I mean, I've I've been having these really interesting conversations with a lot of folks, a lot of different researchers and podcasters, and uh, you know, you know, people in the community. And we've been trying to kind of narrow down 
uh, what Bigfoot is, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, cause there's different, I mean, I had, I had some contacts with some of the, the really big uppity ups in the Bigfoot world. One in particular I'm thinking of. And as soon as we floated the, uh, the idea that we think that he might actually be psychic and interdimensional, they lost it. They were like, no, we're not, <laughs> we're not even going to talk to you guys anymore. And so there's like some really hardliners that like their feet are in the ground. They're like, there's no way he's flesh and blood. He's an ape. And then there's some, some other folks that are like, well, there's, there's some, there's connection to high strangeness because like, if you're looking at, at like places like Skinwalker Ranch, when people are seeing these orbs and UFOs, they'll also see some Bigfoot, some little Sasquatch and things like that. So to me, I, I'm, I'm not saying I know what he is, but I'm open-minded to the idea. And I was curious if you had any, what is your theory? What is like that? I mean, I know it probably changes day to day like me, but what, what's, what, what's, what do you think Bigfoot is? Okay, loaded question. This is a loaded question. Yes. Um, <laughs> definitely. So we're working on a sequel right now. It's going to be out next summer. It's all. It covers all of this. It's called the Paranormal Bigfoot. And what we Ours found... Was search for Psychic Sasquatch. That's yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> here's the deal is that, you know, there are a lot of really reputable Bigfoot researchers that are, that are flesh and blood. And, and I totally understand where they're coming from, and I understand why. They're coming from where they're coming from. But um, with that being said, the, the the amount of eyewitness accounts to paranormal activities involving Bigfoot um, are too numerous to dismiss. And dismissing that is skewing the data and it's not telling the truth. And the truth is, is that there is something else going on um, alongside Bigfoot. And it's not a coincidence. It's not that, you know, every single time Bigfoot's around, there's going to be an orb or something like that. But you know, the folks that have seen these things in conjunctions, either either prior to a sighting, during a sighting, or after a sighting, uh, sometimes in a few minutes, sometimes in a day or two, there's something going on. Um, and the thing about it is is what, what our next documentary is trying to do, what we're trying to do is come up with a scientific explanation as to what's happening. Because, you know, if somebody's seeing something they can't explain, it's because science hasn't caught up yet. And there's a lot of people out there, skeptics and whatnot, that say, oh, yeah, well, that's an easy excuse to make, but it's the truth. And we can't, we can't sit here. I realize it's 2022 and whatnot. We've got incredible technology, but we can't claim that we know everything. You know, um, the Nobel Prize was awarded two days ago to physicists who have proven that spooky um, action is real. And spooky action is basically two molecules that can be entangled regardless of whether they're next to each other or across the solar system from each other. And if you wiggle this one, the other one reacts. Um, and for a long time, quantum mechanics had a, long had a hard time explaining how this could happen. And if in fact it was real, and these guys have proven that it's real and they won the Nobel Prize in physics for it. So going back to that, we're trying to explain a lot of how some of this spooky action thing, and, and when you get down to the atomic level and nuclear level, when somebody sees an orb or when somebody sees a Bigfoot cloak and go invisible, there is a reason why that is happening. We don't know um, how or why it's happening, but, you know, Google vampire um, squids and you're going to see, you'll see, they have like these LED lights. They literally look like something that, like you'd see like 
at a toy store in Japan. You know, they've got like rainbow colored LED lights when they're swimming across the ocean. Well, you know, you're talking about an animal that's manufacturing its own light and people are questioning whether or not Bigfoot can create orbs, you know, and or clothes. That's fascinating. I like that idea. I, I definitely, I haven't heard that Bigfoot was creating the orbs before. That's a mm -hmm. fascinating idea. I like that a lot. Uh, yes, I 100% agree with you. I mean, to me, I've, I think I've tried to think of every single possibility there is. And I think maybe he's more, maybe in a more advanced humanoid than us. He might have more psychic abilities than us, things that like we probably still have that are inherent in us that uh, just are inert right now. Like we can't use them or we just don't know how, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that like as far as cloaking goes, I mean, there's our, our vision is so limited, you know, our vision is so limited with like the, the spectrums that we can pick up and the frequencies that we can hear. And, you know, all these things like there literally could be one right next to me. And if he doesn't want me to see him, I can't see him. I, that's, that's the way I think it is. And uh, I've had some, yeah, I've had some really great talks with some eyewitnesses that have had an, a really awesome photo. I'll send it to you after this, that it's, you can literally see a Bigfoot's body, but it's like see-through and wavy. Like he literally, this Bigfoot cloaked in front of him and he could just kind of see some weird movement and he took a picture of it. It's wild, man. Yeah. Like, it's totally possible. Like, I, like you said, like some of those squid, they instantly blend into their background. Yeah. It's insane. Some of those like the cuttlefish yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's instantaneous. Yeah. And it's like, why can't something do that out here? Why is that such a hard concept for people to grasp? And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't it, know. It, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I think that, you know, there's, there's a variety of, um, of reasons behind it. And one of the things that we did differently in a flash of beauty is we, we sat down, we actually sought out one of the, um, one of the more accomplished psychologists in the United States. And, you know, this guy's Yale educated, had no fear talking to us. We flew all the way out to Florida, had no problem talking about Bigfoot. And, you know, part of what we wanted to do is we wanted to talk about the breakdown of what happens when somebody has this kind of experience. How do they feel? What, you know, what, what is the brain doing when it's seeing something that they it thinks it doesn't exist? And and you know one of the biggest components to all of this is fear, and you know the idea that there's something out there that's an apex predator, that's essentially superhuman, um, you know because you think ten, gorillas are chimpanzees. Chimpanzees are ten times stronger than a human being. They can rip so what, your arm off your yeah, body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a chimpanzee, and they're like what yeah. five foot two. So what's a bigfoot? 20 times, 30 times stronger than a human being. Um, even though there's instances of humans having super strength in times of need, but that's a different different topic and different discussion. But the underlying factor is fear. And it's easy for people to shut something off than to start accepting its reality because, you know, maybe they love the outdoors. Maybe they don't want to think that there's a, a 10 foot tall invisible beast tracking them. Um, you know, and part of what we're trying to get out there is that these things are not all monsters. I say not all monsters. Some of them are, um, can be aggressive. Um, I, there's missing persons cases that are unexplained that are very odd. Um, I'm not saying that Bigfoot are taking people. I don't know if it's Bigfoot UFOs or any number of things, but 
uh, the majority of them out there based on the the eyewitness accounts and the individuals that we've interviewed who have had um, ongoing um, interactions with them, some of these people for 50 or 60 years say that these things are they're kind, they're loving, they're curious, they're they're extremely shy, which is obvious, and they actually want to protect humanity. So going back to your original question of what are they, um, man, it's it's really hard to say. Ron Moore had yeah. to say that they, they might be alien uh, human hybrids. They might be the original humans. Yeah, human they could beings. be the original humanoids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think a lot of people think that, I, you know, and I think that would make sense to a certain extent. We could be the product of aliens and Bigfoots. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's totally possible that we are the Adamu. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, we've definitely explored that idea. And as far as him being aggressive at times, like I would just maybe more say territorial, because that's what I get uh, a lot of times in protective of their clan and things like that. That's what that's what I get from a lot of eyewitness accounts that have actually had like psychic communication and like I can't remember the word they call that, but it's like universal speaking or something like that, where they're having like an actual exchange. Uh, mentally and they can like telepathically communicate. And, and he was just explaining really that he's like the only time, like if you're going to hunt for Bigfoot, he was basically saying, he's like, just go and ask for permission first. Like let all your intentions be known and go in there with like the right attitude. And like, he says, if you're haughty, if you're, if you, you know, if you're kind of like a jackass, he goes, good luck. He's like, they're never going to yeah. show themselves to you. He says, you just have to be in there with the right attitude and the right mindset. And, and then just, he says, ask for permission before you walk in there. And, uh, and I, I agree, man. And, um, I had a gun on my hip just in case there was mountain lions. And he says, that's why I didn't see a Sasquatch. And that's totally possible. <laughs> It's totally possible. It's, it's yeah. completely possible. And we've heard stories about that where people will have some of this mind speak and the mind speak will say, why do you have a gun? What do you need a gun for? Yeah. So they're well aware of what they are. You know, I mean, I can't imagine that um, there's been, I can, let me rephrase that. I can only imagine that there's been multiple, you know, Bigfoot beings that have witnessed hunting, you know, that have watched men take down deers, that they understand what, the functionality of a gun is um you know so yeah i mean this is this is kind of actually more of a common thing where people will you know they'll either they'll either hear that mind speak or they'll they won't be able to move any further in the forest it's almost yeah like there's i've heard that too if he doesn't want you to go any further like that's that's actually scott we 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 have a mutual friend named scott yep. right and yeah. uh, scott was saying he's like if you ask permission he goes that he'll make it clear <laughs> and I think that's, yeah, that's really fascinating too. I talked to uh, another really awesome guy. His name is Sean Hibbler. Uh, we were talking and he was saying that on his friend's property out in Texas, there's Bigfoots and a family of them. And he says that you can't go any further than this one area. And, he, and then his friend was like, go ahead and try. Yeah, try, yeah. try to go further than that. Yeah. And he walked there and he, he couldn't. And he was like, Okay, I I don't know why, but I literally can't walk any further than this. That was so fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's like if they don't want you there, they're not. You're not allowed there. Like, yeah, don't and don't try to force it. Yeah, but you know, any any normal male 
you know, father who's protective of his wife and his family. Yep. Or family, whatever, whatever the situation may be. But if, if any individual, doesn't matter who you are, what your intentions are, if you walk into somebody's house, guess who you're going to meet? You're going to meet dad, husband, the father, whoever is the, the person in charge. Maybe it's going to be mom. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just you are not going to be welcomed unless you are invited into somebody's home. So if you just walk in there and just say, oh, yeah, I'm just here for a drink of water or whatever. No. You know, there's going to be hell to pay. It doesn't matter because nobody knows what your intentions are. It's no different. You know, they're no different at all. You you wander into their living room in the forest. They're going to make it known that you're not wanted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, got to be on absolutely. their terms. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I was just going to second what you said as far as like what I've heard for the most part. The Bigfoots are uh, kind and uh, they are peaceful, which is what yeah. I've heard. And I have heard of some aggressive types. Um, I've heard of some ones that are pretty pretty mean. Um, and that's just like human beings, you know? They're, yeah. There's some a-holes, <laughs> you know? Time. And uh, – one fascinating thing that you mentioned too there was like the missing 411, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have a good friend, Jim. He was part of our documentary as well. He was saying if you overlay, so the missing 411 cases, if you look at a map and you overlay the map there, and then on top of that, you put the underground cave systems, you lay that down on the map, there's a lot of correlation. And then yeah. even more correlation when you put on Bigfoot sightings. And it's yeah. crazy. There's so much overlap. It's really not so and it, like you said i don't know if it's bigfoot taking people um i don't know if you know i kind of any day i might change my mind about the shape or scope of this planet or whatever realm mm -hmm. or simulation we're in but i really like the hollow earth theory and i think there's some definitely some underground some of those cave systems there might be full-on cities there might be some beautiful awesome high technology some interesting stuff down there some cool full-on civilizations down there and maybe people just check it out and like i'm staying i don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's entirely true you know i mean it's been rumored for i don't know 100 years or something crazy that that mount shasta is the home of the mm -hmm. luminarians and there's a city underneath it you know and i think we've all in this realm we've all probably heard the stories about antarctica and yeah. the bases in the the underground uh, subterranean cities that are there. So, yeah, I mean, with all of the caves that we have, you know, I mean, for instance, the West Hills that divide you and I, um, there's a lava tube underneath it here in the Portland area, a massive lava tube. Um, there's lava tubes all over Oregon, and they go, some of them go tens of miles. That's know? near Bend, right? Yeah. Those lava tubes, yeah. Man, yeah. I, that was the most eerie thing. I was out camping like in the middle of nowhere, and I knew that there those lava caves were nearby. And it was so mm -hmm. odd because I, I like picked up a rock and I and it, like a big old thing, and I was moving it, and the ground just sounded hollow under my feet. It was yeah. absolutely bizarre. I thought yeah. it was the freakiest thing. And thinking about it now, I think my wife even had brought that up. Like there were the lava caves. We might have been like right above some big caverns and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fascinating. And, and we have, and well, and one of the more famous examples, of course, is Ape Cave up near Mount St. Helens. And how did it get its name? Because um, up there near Ape Cave, Ape Canyon is the famous uh, Bigfoot shack attack. Um, 
where, uh, you know, there were four or five loggers up there in, I think it was in the 1920s and 1930s that woke up in the middle of the night to, you know, apes throwing rocks at their cabins. And hence the name Ape Canyon, Ape Cave. And Ape, Ape Cave, you know, if you're in this area, is I highly recommend folks out there go and check it out. It's really cool. And it's a, just a long, like, maybe mile-long lava tube. It's amazing. Awesome, man. Yeah, I should check that out. I am in the area. Yeah. No, you've, yeah. You, you really do. You really got to check it out. Uh, so where did you guys film the majority of your documentary? Did you guys go and do like an open hunt or was it mostly like interviews or a little bit of both? So we, what we did is we took a look at, you know, um, a ton of different Bigfoot documentaries that are out there. And, you know, we wanted to do something that was a little bit different. And so we tried to identify blanks, I guess you you could say, you know, between what's been done on TV with Expedition Bigfoot and some of the other shows and, um, and what the documentaries were. And so we felt like the chances of us coming across something out there were probably pretty slim, you know, if we were to go out with, with hunting equipment. So what we did is we thought, let's, let's go into the, um, the eyewitness accounts. Let's find some really credible people. Let's break down some stereotypes that, that, you know, some of the um, skeptics bring up, you know, in, in their arguments. And let's talk about the emotional component, because I personally feel like the emotional component is a huge part of it. Um, and you get a little bit, bit of the emotional component with alien abductions because you hear um, some of the hypnosis and the terror that those people are going through when they relive that moment. And you don't get that from the Bigfoot side. And so I wanted mm -hmm. to, I really wanted to kind of get into the heads of some of the folks that had had a sighting um, because it's... Um, just having that sighting is extremely traumatic to a lot of people. Other people, um, it's a thing of beauty. Other, you know, and and the thing is, is that when I say it's traumatic, it doesn't have to be an aggressive Bigfoot. It can just be a Bigfoot yeah. standing there. I mean, it's, it's just, something outside of the norms, out of like it's something that you never expected to see, and that could really freak someone out. I mean, that's yeah. but I mean that that's just human beings in general. Like it's a fascinating thing that you're saying, but it's like you and I could both like go to the river and and catch a fish or something, and I could have like just been in a bad mood and like the the day sucks, it, and it, and you might have had the time of your life. You caught a big yeah. fish. You're just happy to be outside. It's sunny, like. Yeah, so humans in general, I think, yeah, yeah we're pretty different. And, yeah, and I think you yeah. manifest your reality. And so I think that something that could be like for like Scott, he he had, I, you know, I mean, I think it was sort of traumatic and scary a little bit. But like also he like now he like likes communicating with the Bigfoots and things like that. And then for some other people, that might have been the scariest thing they've ever seen. Like I've talked to some folks that have had some cryptid experiences that like. I might be one of the only people they've ever told because mm -hmm. they are so embarrassed and freaked out and they don't want the ridicule. And they're like, yeah, I, I believe it because I saw it, but Holy, you know, like, Holy shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it's it, fascinating. No, you're, exa you're exactly right. And Scott is a perfect example of somebody who's seen something that very few people have seen. Um, you know, he, he, for, for those of you out there wondering, Scott saw a Bigfoot and a Dogman at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to, I'll kind of leave it at that. But um, I yeah, released I mean, the it, interview with him actually on Monday and he sweet. was part of the documentary. So awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I don't want to 
I didn't know that, but yeah. I don't want to spoil things. Um, so there's a teaser. Um, and we're actually going to meet Scott finally in um, December. We'll be down in Marshall, Texas, the Bigfoot Film awesome. Festival. So there's a plug. So you guys, everybody come out to Marshall, Texas, December 9th and 10th. But my light keeps changing. I've got a big monitor that's lighting me up and the screensaver keeps kicking on. So let me change that. I'm using my monitor as my light source um, for you techies out there. Let me let's see. It's supposed to start in five minutes. That's what's going on. Okay. All right. Problem solved. Awesome. Um, where were we? We were talking about Scott, Bigfoot, Phil. Texas. Bigfoot. You guys Texas. are getting together. Yeah, that's awesome. Hot bed, man. A lot going on in Texas and Oklahoma. So you asked yeah. me where we went, where we went and filmed, and that's that's uh, someplace we went. Actually, we went to Oklahoma, um, and and Oklahoma factors a little bit more in our sequel. Uh, we did go to Texas, but we didn't do any real filming in Texas. We just did one interview in Texas um, with uh, uh, Farouk Muhammad, uh, who you'll see in the film. He'll be in the second one as well. Um, and then we went to Florida. Uh, kind of a quick trip to Florida. The majority of the film, you know, takes place, of course, in the Pacific Northwest, which is obviously where the majority of the sightings occur. Um, so we kind of concentrated on Oregon, Washington. Washington's the number one state in the United States for Bigfoot sightings. Fascinating. Um, so, yeah, they're all up there. They're all up near. Um, so you, you actually have a, you have a kind of a, um, the core of the Bigfoot sightings are, it's like Mount Hood National Forest area, uh, north up to Mount St. Helens, Mount Adams. Mount Adams is mm -hmm. like a hotbed for anything and everything that's mysterious. Mount Adams is where we're going next when we do. We're yeah. going to do a UFO and a documentary. We're going to go to Mount Adams to investigate there. And we went to Bonnie Meadows. Uh, that's okay. that's where we were. Yeah, I think what is that southeast of of Mount Hood? We were out there, mm -hmm. or just south of Mount Hood. And uh, lots of activity. Bigfoot Highways yeah. in the Hood. Uh, yeah. Great book by Joe Bielart. If you haven't read it yet, pick it up. The Oregon Bigfoot Highway. Um, and it's it's basically from Portland, kind of Estacada area. And it kind yeah. of loops all the way down to um, Highway 22, I believe it is, near Detroit. So you folks not familiar with this geography can look that up on a map. We actually have a town called Detroit in Oregon. Uh, it's near a lake. And there's a massive amount of Bigfoot sightings in that area. There's some very strange missing persons reports in that area. Um, there's a famous story that was on a show called Paranormal Witness about um, a sheriff who was actually hiking that area. And um, he looked over and there was one looking at him and it was mocking him. So every movement that the sheriff would do, it would mock. Um, I like this Bigfoot already. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, he's like, it's like he's got yeah. a sense of humor, right? But not really. Um, and then it chased the sheriff all the way down the hill to his car to check out that episode of Paranormal Witness that, that occurred in that area. Um, and then all the way up to Mount Rainier, which is where the first UFOs, first modern UFOs were yeah. sighted. So it's just, it's yeah, like, it was Mount, Mount Rainier and they flew to Mount Adams, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 They probably That's flew cool. into Mount Adams. Yeah, exactly. Part. Yeah, I think that I, something lives there. It, it's got to, right? <laughs> Dude, it's a beautiful spot. Um, me and my wife went there for uh, for our anniversary about yeah two years ago. We went out to to Mount Adams, and we went there during the summer and stayed in like a little cabin out there. It's one of the most beautiful places 
forever, man. And I guess it's like a hot spot in the winter because they do like uh, cross country skiing. There was no one there. We were there in like July and there was no one. And so it was just us. And it was the most like beautiful, pristine rivers. Like we found some awesome swim holes, like went deep in the woods. Like it's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing out there. It's incredible. There's a place up there called Indian Heaven, which has an abundance of huckleberries. There's probably people out there going, no, I like it. Away our cool spots. <laughs> um, Trout Lake. Of course, East Seti is out there. And East Seti is, um, you know, has got all kinds of – East Seti Ranch has got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We've been wanting to go out there, but we haven't been out there. We have, we have gone up to Mount Adams a number of times to look for – Bigfoot and whatnot. Um, my wife Jill and I saw UFO up there. Uh, we went all the way up to essentially base camp where you kind of, if you're climbing Mount Adams, you can actually drive all the way up there. You'd camp there and then you'd climb the next day up, up to the summit. And we saw a red orb, you know, kind of cruising yeah. through the trees at dusk. And I ran and got my camera and poof, it was gone. How convenient. Of course. You yeah. Know? So yeah. it's like, I've got yeah. some footage of an orb that I saw out in Mitchell. We were out there. Oh, no kidding. Uh, seeing some friends out in Prineville, and we went out to uh, the Painted Hills, mm-hmm. and we camped near the Painted Hills. And dude, we were so remote. There was zero light pollution. There probably wasn't another human for like 20 miles. And yeah, yeah we saw a big old orb come up off the mountain, and it was just, it was kind of messing with us. And yeah. it, it was. It was it was bizarre, man. We had a pretty interesting like we, we felt a presence and an intelligence from it. It was really fascinating. And uh, I was sitting there with a gun on my hip thinking about shooting it. And I was like, I don't think that's going to do anything. And mm-hmm. also, if it wants to come down here and kill me, it's going to like we thought about getting in the car and driving off. But there's one there's one road and no yeah. one else. Like, what are you going to do? So we just sat there and looked at it. And we we're just like, all right. <laughs> But it got pretty damn close. There. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a good thing you guys weren't cattle because you yeah. related probably. We did it. We did when we first started. You know, it's funny, man. It's a cowboy ranch. Is it's where we is were it? camping. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. an old cowboy ranch. It that is fascinating. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah, the cattle mutilations. Maybe it's out there looking for a cow. There's yeah. there's there's something going on out there recently. I, the whole state of Oregon right now is a major paranormal hotspot um but when we first started doing a flashy video this is this goes back to uh the summer of 2020 we wanted to do something that kind of kind of covered bigfoot ghosts ufos kind of the the trifecta and um this was very early on and we quickly realized it just needed to be bigfoot but one of the things that we did is we we found a rancher out there he was in the news and he had had a cattle mutilation and wanted to know what was up and so we contacted him and said Hey, we're doing this documentary. Can we come out and interview you and film you? He's like, yeah, I guess so. So we went out there to uh, this little town called Brothers, which is basically a closed down restaurant. That's it. Um, and it's, it's halfway between Burns and Bend. So it would have been like due south of Mitchell, um, almost due south, maybe 75 miles. But we um, we went out, we met this ranch hand, we met the rancher, and we found he, they took us to this, to where this, um, skeleton slash corpse of was of this cow and we did a little kind of investigation on it and it was like 10 miles down this really rough really dirty dirt road 
And these two guys are, and there's nobody for miles. Like they're so far away from the police that if something happens, they don't call the police. They just take it in, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, they're just that far away from people. And, and they're, these rancher guys are like, oh yeah, we think Satan worshipers did it. And we're kind of like looking around going, really? Like <laughs> Satan worshipers aren't really um, sophisticated enough to drive down this dusty, dirty, bumpy road in the middle of the night to mutilate a cow perfectly without yeah. leaving footprints or tire prints and spilling a drop of blood just so they can have a ceremony where everybody, you know, eats the heart or something. Yeah. And what, and what are they doing? What are they doing with the genitals that they cut out with laser precision? That's the you biggest know? thing. It's the laser precision, yeah. man. The cuts are crazy. I'm a chef. Yeah. I know about that kind of shit. I, <laughs> I've done butchery, a lot of butchery yeah. and slaughtering animals myself. Yeah. It's pretty insane. It makes no You're sense. You're going to make a mess. No yeah, matter there's, what, there's <laughs> I'm no a professional and you're going to leave a big mess. The other thing too, is that, you know, I don't, there's probably a lot of people out there that probably haven't spent much time on a farm. Maybe, maybe people who have, but it's not all that easy to just grab a cow and kill it. You know, you just don't go out and mutilate a cow. You know, it's a lot more difficult than that. The biggest thing that stuck out to me about that, that investigation, you know, I mean, there's people out there. That are like, oh, it was birds. I mean, they come up with these cockamamie ideas. But the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the simple fact is that nature is hungry. Nature is starving. It doesn't matter what it is. A badger, a coyote, a, a turkey vulture, a hawk. You know, there are so many scavengers out there that want to eat, man. And when there's a cow sitting there dying, they, they want to chow down. They don't care. They're not fussy. They want to eat. That's good beef, right? Well, not a single animal had touched it. Why not? When you're starving, you don't refuse food. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just the way that nature works. Those are the yeah, what do they know that we don't know, man? That's really exactly. fascinating. I, you yeah. know, I've talked to certain folks, and um, as far as UFOs go and things like that, like whatever they are, they have some sort of like – I don't want to say like radiation, but they do. They have some sort of like form of like radiation and energy that is just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's meant to be harmful to us, but mm -hmm. I just think it is. And I think if you come in too close a to contact with that stuff, it really messes you up. And probably those scavengers sense whatever that is and they're not touching it. So when the and, ranch hand found the cow, it was, he thinks it was probably a day or two after it had been mutilated he got down and inspected the cow, and within minutes, he was sick to his stomach. And for the next three days, he was vomiting. And That's stuff. fascinating, man. I wonder, I, I'm sure yeah. people have done this before, but has anybody have taken like a Geiger meter out to it, like mutilate, mutilated animals and checked them for like some form of radiation? Yes, I think so. And I think I want to say that they even did that on one of the early, one of the first seasons of Skinwalker Ranch. We took an EMF reader out there. We didn't pick up anything because by the time we got out there, it had been like four or five months. It had been quite a while. Yeah. Um, so we didn't, yeah, there was nothing that we picked up. But I will say this much. When we got out there after that long drive, um, you know, there's this corpse, these bones just kind of laying there. And it's kind of off to the side. And the cattle, you know, there's a herd of cattle, maybe 50, 60 strong that wouldn't go anywhere near it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they wouldn't go anywhere near. And that had been uh, common. I mean, throughout the entire time that there's that cattle had kind of been um, corralled there. I mean, they were free to roam, but they, you know, that's where their water was and, and stuff like that. They wouldn't go anywhere near this thing. And so you like immediate, when you see it, when you, when you kind of go around the bend and you see these bones, you know, it's bones with, you know, fur and stuff. It's mostly decomposed. Um, you get this, you get the, the creepiest feeling. You just kind of like know in your mind, like, and that kind of makes me wonder too, you know, do animals just have a sense that there's something off? Do they, do they feel it? You know, so many, so many birds, for instance, have magnetic uh, frequencies in their head. That's how yeah. they know how to go true north and stuff. Do they feel, are they picking up on like a magnetic resonance from this thing? To, to I mean, it goes back to us being animals too. And I think that we have all of those same abilities that we just, yeah. we've domesticated ourselves in these like comfy plaster and wood houses and, and we're surrounded by EMF radiation, all that, like we're looking into seer stones right now and getting radiation yeah. blasted into our eyeballs and, you know, things like that. And it just blocks all of our natural psychic abilities, you know, things like that. And, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it also goes back to, you know, the farmer when he said, it must be Satanists. That's a heck of a lot easier for him to like swallow than... Oh, maybe there's a UFO that from like unknown origins came to my yard and <laughs> mutilated my cow. You know, that's a fascinating thing. Like, that's a lot to live with. You know, like, is it going to do it again? Is it going to do it to me? Like, where'd it go? Yeah. Is it around here still? Like, well, yeah. And, and there's a psychology to it, too, because, again, it's like this guy needs to rationalize this because he's a father. Yep. He was a father of, I think, five children. Okay. So, you know, and, and it's his job to protect his wife, protect his children. It always comes back to, in my opinion, the, the kind of the primal instincts. You know, it's like he's the guy that's going to need to just make sure everybody stays safe. And, and any any number of us, doesn't matter who we are, male, female, whatever, we're going to protect the ones that we love. Pets, anything that we care about, we're going to protect it. Um, so if he rationalizes that it's Satanist, then for him it becomes a one-time only kind of a thing. It was a – it was – a random occurrence. But if he starts thinking that it's UFOs and stuff, he knows that those things can come and go any sing any time that they want to and get him. And what's here's something that's fascinating. In fact, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. So one of the part of the research that we did during this period of, of you know, this concoction of these documentaries was we read this book called The 39th Parallel by um Oh, his name escapes me right now. But he's done some major books. He did a book called 21, I think, that was made into a movie, a bunch of other books. But the 39th Parallel um, talks about this researcher that just, that figured out that there was UFOs activity from essentially Santa Cruz to Virginia uh, Beach. And that's the 39th Parallel. And there was weird stuff happening all along the United States. And there's a famous base, Dulce, New Mexico is on the 39th Parallel, so on and so forth. And so... We were doing some a lot of work in um, Central Oregon, uh, near Eugene, Oregon, and in this little town called Cottage Grove. There's a bunch of Bigfoot activity going on down there, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to see if if we get the same. There goes my light. I'm in the dark. 
I, I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a line and see if like there's any correlation between this Bigfoot activity and this cattle mutilation, just for a hoot, right? And so, because it's all kind of taking place at the same time, we're doing filming in both places. And and I drew a line on a map and it was perfectly straight. Perfectly straight. So I don't know if that's a power line or what what the situation was, but you I could have gone from this 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 high energy Bigfoot area and walked a straight line and ended up at that, essentially ended up at that cattle mutilation. That's super fascinating. Uh, we have a comment here um, from one of the listeners. He says, there's an interview with William Cooper uh, from probably the late 90s where he talked about radiation and cow mutilations. He also got into a fake uh, human-made staged alien invasion. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that that is probably how aliens will be presented to us. Uh, yeah. So that, that is fascinating. And when you were talking earlier, when you were talking earlier and saying things like, uh, Oh man, uh, sorry, I forgot when you were talking earlier about, Oh, people having bad, um, experiences with alien uh, abductions and things like that. I honestly think that the majority of people that are getting abducted by aliens aren't necessarily getting abducted by aliens. And I think that there is like, like he's saying, there's a lot of government things going on. Like I think a lot of those crafts that we see in the sky are human made. And I think a lot of the invasions are, or sorry, not invasions, but you know, um, yeah, I think a lot of that is government that comes and grabs folks and does experiments on people. Because I, I honestly, I don't think that there's any connection really between these orbs and the UFOs that people are saying. Like, I think these orbs are something completely different. And I think that it gets co-opted a lot uh, by the government and they try to explain what these things are to us. But I don't even think they know the answers. I think yeah. a lot of times they don't know what the heck they're talking about. It's deeper. I think it's very, very, very layered. And, you know, there's cryptids and stuff out there that people aren't talking about. Dogman is quickly becoming uh, more and more popular. But there's other cryptids out there that I think that, you know, the government's aware of. Um, you know, people are seeing all kinds of crazy things. Uh, we have There's a segment in A Flash of Beauty that talks about um, the government's knowledge of Bigfoot. And it took us about five or six months to to get an eyewitness on camera, albeit he, we had to change his voice and his name and put him in in black, which I don't really like doing. I like, I you know, so that was that was kind of a tough one. But that was the only way he would agree to go on camera. And he's former Army intelligence. And, yeah. And um, what we didn't get into about his story was when he was a little kid up at Mount Adams, he was 13 years old and he had a face to face with a mother and a juvenile. And she showed his her teeth and all kinds of stuff. But years later, he was recruited, um, in you know, in the army to be part of this army intelligence. They knew he had had a Bigfoot sighting, so they brought him in, and he was read. He was able to read some of the after action reports. He wasn't out in the field with them, but you know, he found out that there's an elite group of snipers that are out there taking out problem animals, which in this case yeah. were Bigfoots that we're getting too comfortable with people. Yeah, that's so. fascinating, man. I've had some, I've actually had a theory that I've probably said way too many times on this podcast uh, mm-hmm. that started my uh, kind of my Bigfoot journey talking to people about Bigfoot um, was I was uh, me, me and the wife uh, got married and we did our honeymoon backpacking from the Oregon coast 
all the way to uh, what well, we went through Oregon and into Idaho and Washington. Uh, wow. There's my baby. My baby's knocking on the door. That's, so if you oh. hear him talking, that's him. <laughs> uh, and we so went to, uh, I will. We went uh, through up to uh, Montana and Wyoming and we went through Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. And we had a talk with one of the park rangers and they were basically explaining that almost every single animal they had was chipped. Right. Like basically every single one. And if you accidentally hit a deer, that's ten thousand dollars. If you like if a bear is like mauling your wife and you have to shoot it, that's ten thousand dollars. Like they, there's no ands, ifs or buts. You, they just wow. charge you. And so wow. in my head, I just had this like theory that came to me. And I think I talked this through with a couple folks and this is how I came to it. People, longtime listeners probably know the story better than me. Uh, <laughs> but. I was thinking, it was like, what if every single one of these Bigfoots is chipped, you know, and they actually have, uh, and that's explaining why, because I've heard, I've heard uh, like reports of like hunters and blinds shooting a Bigfoot. And by the time they get down to the ground, the body's gone. And then they get visited by a man in black, yeah. you know, they're like, you yeah. didn't see a thing. And yeah. so like you're talking about those, those military uh, that are like taking care of problem animals and trying to cover up any like, like making sure there's no witnesses, making sure nobody saw anything. Like that was my idea that maybe there's like a group of like government or some form of like, you know, secret service that is just like watching cryptids. And yes. I, that's a fascinating concept, man. Yeah. And, and Rich Germo in our film talks about this. And, and Rich Jumeau's former military is a police officer that had a siding on duty in broad daylight, and which flipped his world upside down because he was a non-believer in pretty much anything. And all of a sudden, he sees a Bigfoot in broad daylight, like a few hundred yards from a, a beach full of people, you know, on a, on a summer afternoon. So, so he started thinking about all kinds of different things and so on and so forth. But he makes a great point. He says, if there's an apex pre humanoid predator in North America, the U.S. government knows about it. There's no yeah. question about it. And, um, and none of us really, have any form of privacy. They know everything we're doing. They have satellites, they you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Hi, Ethel Sam. They're watching this podcast right yeah. now. They're, yeah. Long time listener, first time callers. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they want to know what we know. They're probably sitting here going, these guys are amateurs. They don't even know that. Yeah. They were laughing. I was like, dummy. <laughs> if, if, it, it, so if big Bigfoot and Sasquatches have some, there's, in my mind, there's some sort of an electrical component to these things. And, and you can kind of see that through how they're able to do, they shape shift, they cloak and their eyes glow. And I've personally seen eyeshine. Um, yeah. I've actually seen it with my own eyes. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um, and my wife is my witness and Michael Ferry, our DP on a flashy beauty was there with us. This is after we finished the production of the film and we've seen the eye shine. And so part of the theory and stuff that we get into again, like, I don't want to get too scientific, but it kind of comes down to the a nuclear level of being able to manipulate atoms and stuff like that and having control of those, um, somehow in their body, it's like a cold fusion kind of a thing. But the point is, is that if they have that kind of power electrical power then there's a satellite that sees that they see those signatures you know what i mean because the 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 u.s defense department has the ability to see 
electromagnetic pulses for very good reason across North America, you know, because terrorists could, could you know, dirty bombs that have electromagnetic components in them, so on and so forth. So it is for the security of the people of the United States. But however, on that flip side, there would be things that would give off signatures that they would be able to track. And I think that, I mean, everybody knows it's pretty common knowledge that satellites can read license plates from space. So of course they're going to be able to see a, a 10 to 12 foot, you know, apex predator hominoid. I'd love to be one of those guys with one of those cameras. <laughs> I know. Just, Could you yeah. imagine? Hey, let's go over here and see what's going on at Mount Rainier, you yeah. know, sitting in their cave in Colorado or whatever it is. There, yeah, and their dumps and their bunkers down there. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. bag of Cheetos just watching the Bigfoot family. What are they up to today? But 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 the cool thing about that is if you live in caves, nobody's nobody's looking at you. If you have the ability to hide in your cloak, then you can hide and you know evade them. So if they are tracking them that manner, they're only tracking them occasionally. Yeah. So I think they, they can still outsmart our best technology. Yeah, I agree, man. And it's, it's funny. Uh, I think all of these things can outsmart our technology. Cause I think that the, yeah. it's, it's of something else, whatever it is, it's something that is like, that's why I go back to the ultra terrestrial or the, or the interdimensional kind of aspects to this, because it, it seems like they can go in and out of our reality, you know, at will, which is fascinating man and yeah yeah um, and yeah yeah it's it's a wild one man it's it's a wild one and i love it i think it's great <laughs> i know i know the theories and the ideas and the eyewitness accounts could go on the rest of the night there's no question about it well brett i didn't want to keep you longer than an hour i think uh this was a great talk we should definitely do it again and Man, you're so close. We should grab a beer or a taco or something like that one of these Let's days. Let's do it, and, man. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, Nate. I, I really appreciate you having me on the show tonight. And um, if anybody out there hasn't seen A Flash of Beauty yet, um, Amazon.com. It's now in Tubi. If you can put up with the commercials, I recommend you actually watching it without commercial interruptions, but that's just me. Um, iTunes, um, Voodoo. Um, yeah, and you kind of you can kind of find it anywhere so take a look at the film. that's awesome man yeah uh, send me a link to it and uh yeah send us a link uh we just had another comment he says does brett have a website do you have a website that you want to send people to um for the or film, just the yeah, facebook or? yeah you know follow us on facebook um a flash of beauty bigfoot revealed on facebook our website our website is bigfootdoc.com d-o-c d-o-c um yeah, and you can reach us through there. And and you know, if you guys send us private message or whatever, we you know either myself or Jill will answer those messages. We love hearing from people. We love hearing stories. Don't be shy. Reach out and say hi. Awesome, man. Well, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nate. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Appreciate it. Later.